Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Landlords and tenant disputes are getting worse. We're also going to discuss cake and loaf, shopping local, the United Way kicking off its campaign, the David Hearn Foundation aims for a million, and how to spot a deep fake. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. When it comes to money, the price of homes, the cost of rent in this community is a huge problem. And we're not alone. We've heard many stories of tenants not wanting to leave their rental unit. Landlords renovicting their tenants. We even had a landlord-tenant dispute back in May which led to the shooting death of two people at a home on Jones Road. Remember that in East Hamilton? 28-year-old man, 27-year-old woman were killed. Is there still a huge backlog at the Landlord and Tenant Board? Is that part of the problem? What, if anything, is there a solution? Ken Beacondam is the owner of LegalSecondSuites.com, a sponsor of Good Morning Hamilton here on 900 CHML. And Ken joins us now on GMH. Ken, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. It's always a pleasure to to be with you and to uh, you know to talk about these these issues that we're we're facing as a province. And I described it as a huge problem. Is that an overstatement? An understatement? Is that accurate? How are you seeing things? It, it's a massive, massive problem. It's a crisis. It you know it comes up in every single conversation I have with folks. Um, you know I speak with landlords, I speak with tenants, I speak with property owners, and the issue at the landlord tenant board is the primary root cause of so many other issues that we're facing. Um, you know, people cannot get justice. There are legitimate tenants who cannot get justice. There are tenants, uh, landlords, homeowners who can't even sell their homes because they don't get timely access to justice. It's a massive problem. Yeah, there was a homeowner, and I think it was in, in Hamilton, that sold their home, but the home also had a tenant uh, and the new home buyers could not get into the home because the tenant did not want to leave. I mean, this is getting into a whole new can of worms. Yeah, we have innocent people here who are not even part of the landlord and tenant, I guess, environment or industry, if you want to call it that, who are getting who are getting sucked into this mess that is at the landlord-tenant board. We have, yeah, a great example of an innocent homeowner who purchased a home and they had to sell their other home, and they can't move into their new home because the tenant refuses to leave. Um, it's, a, it's a massive problem. You know, 90% of cases before the landlord-tenant board are brought from landlords. Um, and if you look at those cases, 90% of those cases are due to non-payment of rent. So uh, non-payment of rent is, is a key issue here that we need to look at. You know, and what other industry... Can you go out there and get a service from a provider and not pay them? You know, um, you, know you, go, you can't go into a restaurant, you know, a nice restaurant, get a nice, beautifully cooked meal, have great service from the waiter or the waitress uh, and the cook, and then just decide to not pay your bill. And then not only that, not only do you not pay your bill, then you decide to stay there. And then now these restaurant owners are forced to, give you breakfast in the morning and to give you lunch and to give you dinner and to heat the building and pay the hydro and pay the water bills and continue to give you service because they can't remove you from their, their restaurant. This is the exact same thing that landlords are facing with tenants who refuse to pay the rent and we can't get timely access to justice to get them out. It's a problem. And from that 
standpoint, I'm assuming these landlords just can't call the police and say, hey, you got to you know, arrest this person because they're not leaving my home. Exactly, exactly. Any sort of, if it's a landlord-tenant dispute, the police do not get involved. It has to go to the, uh, in front of the adjudicator. And the problem is we have a severe lack of adjudicators. We need, we need 10 times as, as many adjudicators here in the province to uh, address the backlog of cases. We have like 38,000 cases that are stuck in, in the queue. Um, and in some cases, some people aren't actually getting in front of an, an adjudicator for like two years, 24 months. Um, you know, and for, for some of these, these, especially the small mom-and-pop landlords, uh, the, everyday, the everyday investor, we're not talking about the large REITs here, we're talking about everyday mom-and-pop investors, they can't afford months and months and months of non-payment of rent, right? It, they still have to pay the mortgages. They still have to pay the property taxes, the insurance. You know, and, you know, right now in our province, we need 1.5 million homes to be built, okay? Um, you know, property owners are, are feeling it very hard right now. We have, you know, in the city of Hamilton, as an example, you know, they're talking about a 14% property tax increase. We're talking about a 20% water rate increase. You know, we have rental licensing bylaws. We have rent eviction bylaws. We have short-term rental bylaws. Like, it is very difficult for a property owner to want to rent out their property um, or rent out a unit um, with what is going on right now. It's way too difficult out there. We're disincentivizing folks from actually getting into the housing industry and creating rental units. Um, because of the backwards policies that we have. Got 90 more seconds with Ken Beacon, Dan, the owner of LegalSecondSuites.com, as we talk about uh, issues at the Landlord and Tenant Board. And for for that uh, organization to clear its backlog, it's going to take a while. Is there any sense on whether or not uh, the government or someone is jumping in to hire more adjudicators? Is there a plan, at least? Well, they, they have invested a little bit more money into hiring more adjudicators, but look, the government is not taking it seriously. Um, you know, you look at Ukraine, for instance, you know, our governments have spent, you know, they've already spent $5.6 billion on Ukraine. They're promising up to $8 billion, with a B, billion dollars to Ukraine for justice for Ukraine. What about justice for people right here in Ontario who are not getting justice at all? Why don't we invest a billion dollars into the Residential Tenancies Act and clean up this mess. It's, you need government investment into it, and they're just not taking it seriously. Yeah, it sounds like uh, they uh, need a lot of money and a lot of help in this regard. Ken, we'll leave it there. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Rick. All the best. Ken Beacondam, owner of LegalSecondSuites.com. You can join Ken and I on the Building Hamilton Show, brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. The next episode is on October 7th here on 900 CHML, and that show begins at 10 a.m. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You may have noticed recently that a well-known bakery, the city's West End, is getting set to shut off its ovens for good. Cake and Loaf getting ready to close October the 8th, right after the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. CHML's Dave Woodard sat down with co-owners Nikki Miller and Josie Rutterham and asked them why. I think the challenge that Cake and Loaf has maybe always faced, but the one that's really been magnified over the last couple of years is doing what's right is usually not what's cheap. Um, and so we have, you know, we've been big advocates for living wage um, 
since 2015. We've always tried to use local ingredients and not just local ingredients, but really trying to find like small family farms, people that, you know, are part of the community and we're, we're supporting each other. Um, and that, that has come with a lot of challenges and we never, we never really centered making a profit as the goal of the business. And, uh, so that, that has had some repercussions and the last couple of years have just really, I think everyone's feeling it, right? Like the pressures have changed. Um, and our lives have changed a lot. So we, we were doing that for 15 years. That's a big chunk of our lives. We're just kind of, we're both, you know, just turning 40. Um, so for us, there are other parts of our lives that really need that focus right now. So I know one of the things that you had were asking for was, you know, finding new ownership. Uh, was that also something that was a challenge? There, there was a, a lot of interest, I'd say, right out of the gate. Um, for pretty much the the building, the business. Um, A lot of people wanted to see what was really going on. And um, I mean, we haven't found that perfect fit yet. However, I'm super optimistic that that person's out there um, because a lot of people want to keep cake and loaf in the community and they want to keep the legacy going. And we're looking for that perfect fit. And I do believe that visionary is out there for a to give us a new, fresh perspective and uh, keep cake and loaf moving. I don't think it's the type of situation where um, an investor can just step in. And I think a lot of the interest we saw was, was from that kind of buyer. We, we really need someone who wants to work in this business, who, who's passionate about food and who's passionate about community in the way um, our staff are. We are still definitely open to offers and we are open to offers on any component, the building, the brand. Um, it's a it's a turnkey bakery in itself. So if Cake and Loaf is not the brand, if, if the person that's interested in the building has their own dream, it is the perfect incubator for that dream. What kind of date are you looking at it at being kind of you know the last day or last week of of, of being open? So we decided to have one more holiday um, at Cake and Loaf. The the seasonal changes are always really special for us because um, we really like pulling all stops and providing everybody with a great experience with all of our different products and Thanksgiving uh, being the next holiday um, more or less fit that that date for us so uh, we're going with the final week of Thanksgiving which will be Tuesday October 3rd to the Sunday October 8th. Did you ever imagine 15 years ago that uh, this would have been uh, you know, such a, a lengthy endeavor or even as successful as it's become? I don't think we could have imagined the opportunities that we've had and the, the doors that it opened. Uh, like the opportunity to mentor so many people, from students to uh, women through the YWCA. I mean, I, I thought we'd be baking cookies. <laughs> I didn't realize that we would be advocating for living wage, that we would be pushing industry standards and, you know, trying to fight sexual harassment in the industry. Like that's, uh, those were all really amazing bonuses. And they came out of all the amazing people we were working with. I think we thought it would be me and Nikki and, you know, two people working front of house for the next 50 years. <laughs> but uh, it did turn out really differently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kick really grew into something I had. I had no way of even considering how big it would get and thinking about it when I was younger, I always wanted to open a bakery of my own. I think from, I guess, 17 on and having it build into this 
wonderful brand in our community is just amazing. And it's, it's it can be overwhelming at times when you look back on all the history of it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm so proud of everything we've accomplished. Have you heard from a lot of people saying that, you know, like they, they feel like it's, it is it is a part of the community and it's almost like losing a community member? Um, that's, that's actually kind of a lovely way to put it. I think it is a little bit like losing a community member. We've, we've had people beg us not to close. We've had lots of people who don't understand why it wasn't snapped up by a buyer already. Um, I mean, I, I do think we've created something truly unique and it. You can't just duplicate that, you know, like we can transfer it, but it'll never be the same entity. It'll be a new neighbor. And thank you to Dave. Congratulations to Nikki and Josie on their great legacy. That is Cake and Loaf. It certainly will be missed when it closes after Thanksgiving weekend. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Right now, let's talk about TikTok. And no, it's not. It's not anything to worry about. We're not ringing the alarm bells in terms of your security being tested. No, this is a good news story, and it's happening right here in Hamilton, because there's a series of TikToks that have been generated, if you will, by the generator over the last little while that highlight local grocery stores. Our indie grocery store tour continues, this time we're at Piconi Fine Foods in downtown Dundas. Now the foods here are very fine indeed, and it's a really great place to go if you're having uh, a special gathering or party or something at your house. They just everything is just a little bit nicer than you'd find anywhere else. There's just a small audio sample of what you can see on the generator's TikTok feed. What hidden gems have been found in our city, and why did they choose to highlight them? Well, Suzanne Sandbergen is the owner of the generator and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Suzanne, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on the show. First off, why why do this? Why highlight local grocery stores on your TikTok feed? Um, well, with my regular feed, I do support a lot of local businesses and, and share events and stuff in the community. Um, but I think like a lot of people um, over this past year or so, um, you know, really starting to feel a pinch um, doing grocery shopping every week at, at one of the big grocery stores, um, as most people do. And just, you know, every week, another dollar up on this item, or another dollar on this item. And it, it starts to feel like you're a bit helpless. And um, so I was reading in the Spectator an editorial by Noelle Allen, and she was speaking about this exact thing and she mentioned how you know what you do have options there are other local small businesses that you can spend your grocery money at um so i thought why not do a tour of all these smaller grocery stores in hamilton and show people what their options are i think the allure of you know you mentioned the big three those giant grocery store chains is that they have a lot of stuff and they have a lot to choose from. There's a lot of variety. What, what have you found from the local grocery stores? It's, it's definitely a different experience, right? Yeah, you don't get that, you know, aisles and aisles and aisles of choice and, and that kind of thing in one-stop shop maybe. Um, but it's been so much fun visiting all these different places. And, you know, they have different um, types of foods and brands and everything that you've never seen before. Um, and, you know, you can visit different cultures and experience different foods. Um, and so it's been it's been really fun. 
And I try to incorporate different stops when I'm out in the city, different parts of the city, so that I can visit as many different uh, grocery stores as I can. Suzanne Sandbergen is the owner of The Generator. They've been posting, uh, Suzanne's been posting TikToks over The Generator's feed about uh, local grocery stores and how uh, we should be shopping local and supporting these mom and pop shops, for lack of a better term. And you've also uncovered some hidden gems in the community. There's a lot of feedback mm-hmm. from followers on your TikTok feed that say, wow, I didn't know this existed. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, a lot of the uh, suggestions that I'm getting, do you know, you, you need to try this place or that place. That's really how I'm building my list of, of what to check out. Um, one really great one that I discovered was uh, Fittis Wholesale Produce on, in the West End of Hamilton. Um, I know a lot of people already know about it, but I had never been. And it's just, it's, uh, you know, just very wholesale. You go in there, it's, it's not pretty, but there's like everything you need. Very, very fresh, and the deals are, like, amazing. Yeah, from a competition standpoint, how are these local grocery stores standing up when it comes to cost? Because, as we know, the price of food is a major issue in this community and this country. Yeah, that's that's true, and that's sort of what sparked me to do this, this journey. And I didn't really do it to try to save money. Um, that wasn't the main goal. It was more like, okay, food prices are going up everywhere. How can I you know, do a little good with with my spending, at least, instead of just pouring more money into the profits of a couple of big chains. Um, so, but I, I have found some really good deals along the way, which is always fun to, <laughs> to discover. But uh, in, in terms of pricing, I find that the small places, they're at least keeping up with, with the prices of the big places. And often they have much higher quality items as well. So you pay a bit more for that. Um, I think you you had the example there, Pocconi in Dundas, definitely, you know, a little bit more expensive, but it, it has things that you wouldn't find in the grocery store if you wanted to have a party or something, it's something special. So there's lots of different options out there. How many of these local grocery stores did you visit before this TikTok series started? Um, I think it only been to maybe one or two. Like Barton Lettuce is on my list, and I just love that place. So I'm, I go to that all the time. Um, so I had to feature them. But most of them were brand new for me, like Salty's Medina on the Mountain. Like I've never, I would never think to go in there, but now that I have, I will definitely go back. It's 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 really cool. It has a restaurant inside and everything, and it's awesome. What has been the biggest surprise in visiting these local grocery stores? Um, I think it's just, it's surprising to go in and realize how accessible they are for anyone. Um, like, so I, I went to Tanton supermarket, again, an Asian market. So I thought, oh, they're not really going to have food that I want to buy, you know? So, but I went in and they're like, they had tons of uh, plant-based foods. That was a huge surprise. I didn't think that. And I'm vegan. So to me, it was, that was a huge surprise. And so each one kind of has these surprises inside that you, you you don't know until you go and check them out. Last one for you. What is going to be the next stop on the Generators TikTok tour? Um, somebody pointed out to me there's a, a mar- I think it's called Punjab Market in the East End Centennial, I think. So I want to check that one out for sure next. But I, I have a bunch that I want to go check out. That sounds like an exciting venture. It's an awesome trip around the city in terms of local grocery stores. You can check out The Generator on TikTok for Suzanne's latest installation. Looking forward to it, and thank you for the time today. Thank you so much.
That is Suzanne Zanbergen, the owner of The Generator. You can check them out on TikTok for their latest video coming up. There's been uh, some hidden gems, as we mentioned, and uh, I'm sure the next post will be just that. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, the United Way has kicked off its 2023-24 campaign, and it has already managed to raise some money in a very unique way. Kristen Jacob is the Vice President's Marketing and Communications at the United Way of Halton and Hamilton and joins us now on GMH. Kristen, good morning. How are you? Rick, good morning. I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I'm good. You guys kicked off the campaign in style on Saturday. What did you uh, What did you get up to? Yeah, we certainly did. Oh, well, you know, we just pulled some planes, a 200,000-pound <laughs> Airbus to be exact. <laughs> that, that sounds like a lot of fun. It was great. Yes, we held our annual plane poll for United Way with our co-host UPS out at the Hamilton Airport on Saturday. Nice. So how much money did you raise? At last check, I literally just checked about 30 seconds ago, and I'm happy to say we've raised over $175,000. Wow, that is amazing. So do these planes move? Like, are, are people able to pull the plane? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that it works is we have teams of 15 15 individuals who get together and, you know, you hold on to like a tug of rope, tug of war rope, and uh, they're able to pull a 200,000 pound cargo jet. Oh my gosh. How do you do? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Everyone dug in deep and, you know, they knew they were doing it for a fantastic cause. So we, we got it moved and we had top prizes for the, the team that was managing to be able to get it across the 50 meters across the tarmac the quickest. And uh, we also had some prizes for our top fundraisers as well. Wow, that is amazing. $175,000 is a great way to kick off the campaign. But I know the goal is much higher than that. What are we looking at this year? Yeah, this year we've got a really ambitious goal. $12.5 million is what your United Way, Halton and Hamilton are looking to raise this year. How does that compare to past years? It's, it's an increase, definitely. Uh, last year's goal was $11 million. And, you know, what we've been seeing is that with a number of our different programs that the United Way supports, the need is just getting greater and greater. And, and much like your, your poll for today, you know, a lot of those topics are on the minds of absolutely all of those in our community. So we, we looked at that number from last year and decided we need to do more. So $12.5 million is what we're looking to do this year. And happy to actually announce uh, that we have this year a brand new community match. We're calling it our Local Love Community Match. And what that means this year is that for every $4 that gets raised by United Way, Halton and Hamilton, an additional dollar will be topped up by some very generous community members and local organizations that have all chipped in to say, you know, we know the need is great. We, we're going to help do more. Wow, that is amazing. And certainly yeah. that $12.5 million goal, $1.5 million higher than last year, uh, hopefully will be reached sooner rather than later. When When is the deadline to reach this goal? Yeah, March 31st wraps up the end of our campaign, but we do find that a lot of workplaces um, that are taking part in workplace campaigns, they tend to run those anytime from right now until the end of December it tends to be our, our biggest fundraising period. Um, but really, we're we're running events, we're doing things, we're out in the community all the way up till the end of March and beyond, really. 
Kristen Jacob is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Kristen is the VP of Marketing and Communications at the Nataway Halton and Hamilton. Raised more than $175,000 with a good old-fashioned plane pull on Saturday at the Hamilton Airport in association with UPS. And the fundraising goal this year, as you heard, $12.5 million. Let's talk about the need in the community. What have yeah. you at the Nataway noticed in Hamilton? You know, in in Hamilton, it's it, it's very consistent with across a lot of the different communities. So, you know, we've seen that, you know, the current economic crisis is having such an impact, and you know, with all of the economic uncertainty, it, it's it's tough on folks. The increasing inflation, like you mentioned, food insecurity, housing insecurity, and affordability. These are all really common things that we're seeing happening around the community, and. For United Way, we have we tend to focus on three buckets or areas um, for for Hamilton and for the other communities that we serve. Where, you know, we really want to focus on poverty to possibility, so really helping promote financial security and independence, healthy people and strong communities. So really helping our neighborhoods' health and well-being. Mental health has been a huge uh, a huge factor with that over the the course of the last few years, of course, with the the pandemic. And then all the kids can be. So helping children and youth reach their full potential by providing opportunity, food security, and, and everything that children need. So the needs are great in the community and, and they vary. And I think the great thing is that with the United Way funded programs, all of the donations that are received, you know, they all go back into the community. And last year, you know, we're really proud to say that we've been able to support 57 different agencies, 106 different programs across Hamilton and Halton that are having an impact in those areas. So, you know, that $12.5 million goal that we have this year, it's going to go a long way. And that's an important stipulation. We got about a minute because the the money that's raised here stays here. It doesn't go into a big pool where it's shared across the country. You're really, if you're donating, you know it's going to the local United Way. Absolutely. It stays within the community. And, um, you know, that's why we had such a great turnout with our local love community match because it's built by the community for the community. And our listeners can donate online, uwhh.ca. Again, the website, uwhh.ca. Kristen, thanks for the time. Best of luck with this. We'll catch up with you towards the end of the campaign. That sounds amazing. Thanks, Rick. Kristen Jacob is the Vice President, Marketing and Communications with the United Way Halton and Hamilton. Again, uwhh.ca. If you can donate, they would greatly appreciate it. That is for sure. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There is a great cause that you can donate to, and that's the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. And to that end, the David Hearn Foundation Golf Tournament is being held today at the Brantford Golf and Country Club with a goal of surpassing one. million in donations for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Joining us now is the pro golfer from Brantford himself, David Hearn, who joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. David, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Rick. Are you you in tournament mode today? You got got the the red shirt on. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. It looks like we got a a really nice day for it. So uh, I'm obviously up and at it early here and and ready to go. It's at the uh, Brantford Golf and Country Club. Money raised goes to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Why the Alzheimer's Society? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. When I was in a position to start our foundation um, and look to raise monies for something, I, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Uh, it, Alzheimer's is something that kind of ran in uh, in my family. A number of generations have struggled with it uh, on my mom's side of the family and, and my dad's side as well. So 
uh, it was a pretty natural fit for me to, to try to raise uh, funds for those in need. Uh, we're trying to care for, you know, family members with Alzheimer's because I kind of saw it uh, as my family went through it. So, um, you know, I, we're doing uh, a great job with, with our foundations before. And like you said, you know, we're very proud of the fact that we're going over a million dollars raised for, for our uh, local Alzheimer's chapters to, to be able to continue to do the great work that, that they do every day. Would you have ever believed you would have got to a million dollars this quickly? Uh, I don't think so. I had started the foundation in 2015, and, and you know I was playing very well on the PGA Tour at the time. And um, you know, like I said, it was it was a great opportunity for me to leverage my success that I've been having on the PGA Tour. And you know, I had no real goal in mind of how much money we'd raise or how far we would go with it. So here we are, you know, eight years later, surpassing this million dollar mark. Is uh, I'm I'm very proud of it. It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of fun, and and I have a lot of respect for the people that that work in this nonprofit world and the work that they do. So. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool to, to think we're passing that milestone, and um, you know people keep saying what's next, and you know I don't know. We're just going to see how far we can go. Maybe we'll go for two million. We'll, we'll just uh, we'll keep trying to raise funds and, and make our uh, our golf tournament as entertaining as possible, and keep co- people coming back. Absolutely, it's a great benchmark to already hit, and many more millions I'm sure to come. Our listeners can get more information online at dhfcharityclassic.com uh, or check out the Alzheimer Society of Canada webpage as well, alzheimer.ca. I understand today, David, you're going to be involved in a skills contest at the Brantford Golf and Country Club. Yeah, so what I do usually is, um, you know, as the host of the tournament, I try to make sure that I, I get a chance to talk to everybody who's here. Um, you know, we have over 100 players today. I think we've got 112 players or something like that. So, you know, I, I don't want to just play with one group all day. I usually sit on uh, on a par three and we do a little beat the pro contest and uh, try to let my ego not get in my way and, you know, make sure a few people beat me. So, I, I was going to say, do you relent a little bit? Because I know you're a competitor. Yeah, well, it's started to turn off the competitive fire, that's for sure. I think, uh, you know, maybe early in the day, you know, when when the competitive fire is still going very strong, you know, people are getting a tougher David Hearn than maybe later in the day when, you know, I've hit the <laughs> shot already 25 times. But uh, that's all right. It's all in good fun. So, yeah, I... We still hand out a prize at the end of the day every year. So <laughs> that is tremendous, and, and that's that's the fun of these types of tournaments is is meeting people like you, donating to a great cause, and having fun. At the end of the day, that's what we all want people to have. I think so, and I think um, you know charitable golf tournaments have been done for a long time, and I think that the shift now is you know trying to make it a, as much of an entertaining experience as we can on the golf course. So we have lots of good activations on the course today, and hopefully it'll be fun for for everybody out there. And, and we'll raise good money in the in the meantime. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the day. In 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 reference to your pro golf career, where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm kind of in a in a little bit of a funny stage right now. I still have PGA Tour status. Um, they call it veteran status. So, if, if you've been on tour, I guess for a long time, or you've won tournaments, um, you get lumped into this category if you're not playing as well as you were, um, which I'm kind of doing. So, I'm kind of in this sort of limbo zone where I'm getting into you you know, maybe eight to 10 events a year, um, which isn't quite enough to really be competitive. Um, but that's part of the reason I'm in this category. So uh, I'm fortunate to be uh, still given a PGA Tour card every year, but, uh, you know, I'm working as hard as I can to, to try to improve my status, get into more events and, and try to be, you know, more competitive. But, uh, you know, at my age, um, you know, it's not as easy as it was when I was 24 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, just like every sport, it's getting bigger, faster, stronger. So it's impressive to watch this younger generation play. Um, I feel old saying that, even though I don't feel old. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it just uh, it's kind of where it's at. So uh, I get asked now a lot more than I did when I was younger, you know, 
how long until the Champions Tour, and it's getting closer. So uh, I'm going to try to stay competitive as long as I can, and um, you know that's obviously in my sights uh, a few years down the road now. Well, you've certainly had a, a phenomenal career in golf on the PGA Tour, and uh, you know one of the torch bearers, like guys like Mike Weir and, and Stephen Ames and others, who have really you know handed it off to this present generation of, of golfers who are winning tournaments and showing well on the PGA Tour and beyond. Uh, David, we'll have to leave it there. Best of luck with this tournament. Again, our listeners can go online dhfcharityclassic.com. Maybe get involved if you're not today. Next year with the David Hearn Foundation Charity Golf Tournament, all in support of the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. David, appreciate the time. Good luck today. Thank you so much for the time, and I uh, appreciate you uh, shedding a little light on what we're trying to do here. So thank you so much. You got it. David Hearn, pro golfer from Brantford, founder of the David Hearn Foundation. They're raising money and will surpass $1 million at some point during the tournament today, raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, which is absolutely Awesome. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Is deep fake technology going to get worse than what it already is now? Because right now it is well, pretty bad. And if you're not familiar with what deep fake technology is, this is basically a video of a person in which their face or body has been digitally altered so that they appear to be someone else. And it's typically used to spread false information. They're they're Deeply fake, if you will. Mark Daly is the Chief Digital Information Officer at Western University and joins us now on GMH to talk about this. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Deepfake technology, is it, well, before we talk about whether or not it's getting worse, how would you describe it right now? Right now, it is already shockingly good and the the rate of improvement is is, you know, absolutely magnificent. And this is coming from a, a visual aspect. You, It's hard to tell whether or not this person that you're seeing on your screen or tablet or whatever is really that person. It is so good now that I, I basically don't trust video anymore. Wow. So how much worse is it going to get? Well, the technology is going to get better, which means that the societal and social implications for us are going to get worse. Uh, I think we actually have to start treating video the same way we treat text. You, you wouldn't automatically believe something that you read on Twitter, and so you shouldn't automatically believe something just because you saw it on YouTube. Are there any red flags or warning signs or hints that can provide the viewer to say, all right, I'm, I'm not sure this is real? Yeah, so the most important tool, as always, is critical thinking about the media you consume. So if you see a person behaving in a way that violates your expectations for that person, you should be deeply skeptical of that video. So how is this being used and who is using it? Everyone is using it from from a range of really positive uses in creative industries. Uh, People who are differently able use this as an opportunity to create artwork that would otherwise be inaccessible to them. Fantastic for education and training. You can create historical reenactments to really engage students. But of course, there's negative uses too. It can easily be used to propagate misinformation. There is security and privacy risks where, where individuals' likenesses can be used against their interests. And of course, that that opens a huge range of ethical concerns, too. We all know that uh, bad actors have uh, their hands all over this. Should we be concerned about scams uh, trying to get money from us using this deepfake technology? 
Yep, absolutely. That that's the security concerns. There's already been very high profile cases where uh, voice deepfakes, in particular, ha have been used to commit significant fraud. When it comes to elections or election ads, are we seeing these things being used as well? I think where you'll see them be used is by small independent actors. I, I don't think you'll see large campaigns use them because the legal consequences are are too great. But I, I think you will see this sort of grassroots propagation of, of deep fake videos, especially as we're moving into the U.S. election next year. Mark Daly is the chief digital information officer at Western University. We're talking about deep fake technology and how it's so good, yet so bad right now. And it's only going to get worse or better, however you want to describe it. And when it comes to the go forward or, or years from now, um, where do we see this going or evolving in? Is, is Are there other kind of horizons we don't really want to approach with this technology? I think we're already approaching the next major horizon, which is you don't even need a source video. You, you can just type in in text, I would like a video of this person doing this action, and the machine will be able to generate it. Right now, these don't look perfect, but soon they will. And is is this just associated with social media or are they on websites and credible ones? This is everywhere, and indeed, it's already being used in uh, in Hollywood and major production studios in media. Wow, it's pretty scary stuff. There are so many good uses to which this could be put, but yeah. like any technology, it can also be used for bad. Absolutely, and we're seeing some of that too. Mark, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for uh, pulling back the curtain and uh, giving us some details of deep fake technology. Thank you. And it's Mark Daly, Chief Digital Information Officer, Western University. I mean, you you can't really trust anything you see in here today. I, You, you can trust in this. What you're hearing on your radio right now is real. <laughs> this is not an AI bot or a deep fake recording of me. This is actually me. Uh, so you can trust in that. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.